Today on episode number 618 of the School of Podcasting, I've got an interview with Jordan Harbinger who had seven-figure downloads, a seven-figure business, and then had it all ripped away. He's going to explain to us how that happened and what we can do to avoid it. I have a quick exercise to help you make your interviews better if you're doing interviews, and I've got a promo for a new podcast I've created. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I am your award-winning personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where I help you massage your message. I help you tackle the technology. I help you face your fears. Today, we have Jordan Harbinger on the show. Holy cow, talk about a guy facing his fears. And then I help you flatten that learning curve and not just get you going, but get you going in the right direction. The School of Podcasting is the original, the longest running, the site that is dedicated to helping you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. The website, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start, will get you right to the right place. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, to sign up for either a monthly or yearly package. I always like to start off the show with a because of my podcast story. If you have one, it's simply because of my podcast blank. Feel free to record that answer and send it on in. My email address is dave at schoolofpodcasting.com. Today, we've got Jordan Harbinger on the show, and he had a because of my podcast story, and here it is. What's something in your life that has happened that wouldn't have happened, but it did because of your podcast? Oh, so easy. I met my wife through the show. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's an easy one. Her brother was a fan, got her listening to it. She joined Twitter, which she's never used. And then she it was like, who to follow? Jordan. She's like, oh, cool. I'll follow this guy that I'm listening to his podcast. And then she had tweeted something funny. I happened to follow back and check my newsfeed. And then we started talking and dot, dot, dot marriage. Wow. There you yeah. go. That's what I don't think we've had that. I've had people that have married their fans. That was kind of cool. But I don't know that I've had somebody that actually got to... Uh, Dot, dot, dot with a, uh, a listener. That's very cool. So there you go. Before we get to the interview with Jordan, one of the things that Jordan did that is rebuilding his new brand is he called on his network. And I want to talk about podcast that singular podcast guest.com slash SOP. This is a place that helps you find great guests for your podcast. And what if you want to grow your audience? One of the easiest way to do it is to be featured on other podcasts. And when you go to podcastguest.com slash SOP, it helps you become featured on other shows. It also helps you find really good guests for your show. I've been featured on other podcasts because of podcastguest.com. You can too. And when you do a solo show, that increases your engagement with your audience. When you go on and you are a podcast guest, that helps you create your network. And today we're going to hear how Jordan Harbinger grew his network by doing so many interviews. And podcastguest.com slash SOP can definitely help you grow your network by finding great experts, great guests. Everything's there. Podcastguest.com slash SOP. Oh, and another thing. It's free. Check it out again, podcastguest.com slash SOP. And thanks for being a sponsor of the School of Podcasting. Stay tuned after the interview. This is a great interview. Man, what a story with Jordan Harbinger. 
I've got the question of the month coming up and I've got a brand new podcast that you might want to check it out. Right now, this is a guy, think about this story. Jordan Harbinger used to get more downloads in a month than I have in 13 years. Think about that. And one day he woke up to find out he was no longer part of a podcast that he started. Here's the story. I, I was thinking about this today. There are three reasons this person is on the show. The first one, and I, I we're getting cute. There's three eyes. The first one is he's interesting. He's just, he's super interesting. Even his commercials are interesting. I learned that today. He always has a story in his commercials. The second one is integrity. And he will call BS on anything. In fact, I heard him at Social Media Marketing World. I believe he entered, I think he interrupted his, as he was being introduced because the person tried to say he had 4 million listeners. And he's like, wait, wait, hold on, time out. So that's the second I, interesting integrity. And the third one was influence. And this is another thing at Social Media Marketing World. I always go in, any anytime I have a chance to hear him speak, I always do. And he gets done, he gets off the podium. And usually there's a, a few people that are like, you know, meet the person at the, at the, on the floor or whatever, which is this happens. And then he leaves and literally the whole room followed him out into the hallway. That was the coolest thing ever. I actually went out and took a picture. And so Jordan Harbinger, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Thanks for having me on, man. It's always a pleasure. And I'll tell you the whole, everyone leaving the room thing. Yes. That surprised me too. I wasn't like, yeah, I do this. No, I was like, what people care. Cool. You know, it's always still surprising. And I think you have to keep that kind of joy about the craft or you start to get jaded and you're like, yeah, of course everyone wants to come take a selfie. And then you're just like kind of insufferable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then you just hear, let me get the cardboard stand up and you can just stand next to it, take pictures. Exactly. Yeah. Ex yeah. Which is a little bit like how self-important can you be? <laughs> well, the fun thing that we talked about in San Diego was at the time, this was kind of uh, somewhat new news back then, but you were on a show called the art of charm and it it's in its heyday was getting 4.1 million downloads a month, which is pretty awesome, bringing in seven figures into your business. I thought it was really interesting because you've just been so transparent about this. You've gone through the joy of being fired from your own show. Yeah. And so I've heard you describe it as, well, there were different visions for the company, uh, meaning you wanted to go one way and they wanted to go another way. And I realize you have to be careful what you say, because there may still be some legal aspects of this. But can you peel that back any further into like what was going on? You know, really what it what it comes down to is I was and am really enjoying interviewing these amazing neuroscientists and special forces people and military generals and CEOs and things like that on the show. And I, I, I'd like to think over the decade and change that I've been doing interviews that I've gotten decent at it. And I like doing practical takeaways in each episode and making sure that there's always something for the audience to take away and experience. And that wasn't exactly where other people in my former company really, that was less important than other ideas that they had about how the business should be run and how, the, how things should be leveraged to create leads for sales and things like that. And I just really wasn't interested in teaching people how to, you know, guys how to go out to bars and meet girls anymore. You know, I'm 38, I'm married. I've been with the same woman for five years. I'm not looking to be a 40 year old dating coach, you know, and it really, the brand didn't fit me anymore. I'd outgrown it. And there was a lot of resistance 
to rebrand any sort of rebrand. And we had figured out a way to split the company in a way that made sense for everyone. And then that didn't work out for a variety of reasons, which uh, I won't get into here. And so I found myself on the outside of the company. Fortunately, I was able to take the vast majority of the team with me. And I'd say take with me, but really they came with me. I didn't take anyone. Um, And we were able to regroup and form advanced human dynamics, which teaches networking, rapport building, verbal, nonverbal communication, and things along those lines, negotiation, things like that, that are much more interesting for me and for my team. And I formed the Jordan Harbinger Show, which prides itself on really taking what I was doing before just to the next level and beyond with really great guests. There's no stigma from the dating stuff because we don't cover that. And we really do get into a lot of practicals and all the things I loved about the old show turned up to 11 and none of the drama that I really couldn't stand. Do you think the the brand was really holding you back in some ways? Do you have any examples of that? Yeah, I do. It was for sure. And this is, for example, I go book a lot of great guests on the show. In fact, I've got some really great people coming up as well, like Dennis Miller and uh, journalists from the New York Times and DJs that have global names that are all around and and things like this, among others, and even senators. And I remember pitching them last year when I was with the old show and just getting no response or getting a very lukewarm response, to say the least. And then when I finally, when I reformed the new show with the Jordan Harbinger show, I sent emails and they were like, yeah, what, let's do it. When, what works? And I thought, oh, I, I might have just gotten really good timing with this one. And then it happened again and again and again and again. And I thought, wait a minute, this isn't just good timing. This is not having to explain why the name is weird and has sounds like it's about meeting chicks at bars, and it isn't. And so I didn't have to worry about that anymore. And that was, that's been a huge relief. Additionally, Uh, our new coaching company, Advanced Human Dynamics, we have a lot of military, we have a lot of special forces, we have a lot of government and corporate clients that we just could not get with the old brand because in theory, we wouldn't have been able to get them with the old brand because they were like, I'm not telling HR that I'm going to take this class. I'm not telling my unit commander that I've got to submit a $25,000 receipt for a company that on the website says like, be fearless and when approaching women, you know, it's just not going to fly. Uncle Sam's not going to be thrilled about that. And we lost a lot of opportunity there. Now I viewed it as lost opportunity. The company was just saying, these aren't a good fit for us. And I wanted to be and form a company where that was a good fit. And I wanted to not serve the same type of customer that I was in the past. And that's what we've been really working hard on doing. And that's been a challenge, you know, to rebrand and then change your customer base is difficult, but it's worth it. Well, and you mentioned the new company, Advanced Human Dynamics. You're going to actually do like a live seminar in August in Vegas. How is this going to be different than like previous workshops that you had? So we're doing live events regularly. The first one is in August in Vegas, August 10 through 12. And it's going to be unisex, which the old company did not do unisex events. It's going to have negotiation, which we'd never taught before. It's going to have different types of verbal and nonverbal communication presentation skills, which we never taught before. And it's also going to have a lot of networking, which we'd never taught before. And so really we're reinventing the curriculum in a lot of ways. I'm bringing on a lot of different coaching staff from different parts of, of different teams that were sort of solo, riding solo before and that really complement what I teach. And so 
it's a much more individual and unis- sort of unisex, corporate-friendly, military and organization-friendly type of event versus, all right, it's really for guys only, and it's just for personal stuff. This is all going to be professional development that will spill over into your personal life, but really will help you be more successful in your career and in your business, which, frankly, is important because that means it pays for itself and doesn't just feel good. So who do you think would be, is this something for like a, a sales team from a, a company or who do you think your target audience is for that? Yeah, we have a, a couple of different target audience verticals. So sales teams are great. Uh, entrepreneurs are really good sort of target market for this. And frankly, one of the the primary markets that we have that came as kind of a surprise is we have a lot of military and security forces and even bodyguard schools sending their people to these events because this is what they need in their line of work. So I thought that was kind of interesting to see these sort of special forces sitting next to a cosmetics entrepreneur sitting next to a salesman for a CRM company. That kind of thing, it sort of cracks me up in a way because it really is the the glue that holds us all together. And so anybody who's interested in creating and maintaining networks, learning how to be more persuasive and influential would be really well-served coming to this. Like I said, negotiation, networking, rapport, and nonverbal communication are going to be the core of this. And I think it's going to be really fun. How many months ago was the, uh, the transition? Three months, three months, just over 90 days. Are you, are you sleeping better yet? Uh, it, it's on and off. Yeah. I am sleeping a lot better on the whole, but I'll tell you, I have my nights where I'm like, and it's one fifty-two, and I'm wide awake, you know? <laughs> Well, the, the new show, you got super creative. It's called the Jordan Harbinger show. Yeah. And, really nailed the creativity on that one. Ex- excellent. And, uh, I love your, your kind of tagline is it, it's either going to solve a problem or it's going to make you better. And for me, I always tell people that in your podcast, you've got to make people either laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. And for me, the education level and the think you make me think all the time. And then, uh, you also have a great connection with your audience, your Feedback Friday shows, I think right now, your interviews are great, don't get me wrong, but the Feedback Friday thing, the last episode, you had some guy, like his dad was a a loser, mom was in the hospital, or no, mom was a freak and had like lit a house on fire, he was just this, the kid was just a hot mess, I felt so bad. How do you answer a question like that when somebody's just, you know, Jordan helped me, my life is a mess? I, I just listened to that and I thought, the responsibility of trying to conjure up an answer to that is insane. Yeah, that's tricky for me because that one in particular, that was an episode of Feedback Friday where I take listener questions and I answer them with my producer, Jason, and sometimes guest experts. That one I knew was mostly above my pay grade and I wanted to take care of the question asker. So I told him about the suicide hotline and things like that, but I also told him to make sure that he's not just taking on problems from the person that he's trying to save because that can really destroy your life, drag you down with it. And so I do realize when certain things are above my pay grade, and I state it as such. And so on Feedback Friday, I'm always very careful to go, I'm not a therapist, here's advice for this, but you also need to see a therapist immediately, or a doctor, or get this handled. Because what I noticed is there's a lot of advice shows, you know, Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla love line back in the day, Dr. Drew is a doctor he's allowed to dispense this kind of qualified advice. I am not a doctor, so I can give advice on pretty much anything, but when it comes to mental health, I'm not gonna tread very uh, heavily on that. And I'll bring on a therapist or a doctor to make sure 
that they're getting proper advice. So it is a lot of responsibility and you can't take it lightly. And I think that's important to know. And, and, and when podcasting in general, hosting any kind of show, you have to be an advocate for the listener. Every minute of their attention has to be earned. And if you're advocating for the listener, it means you're asking the questions that the listener wants to ask of the guest, but it also means that you respect them enough to tell them when you don't know the answer to something so that you're not just flying blind and BSing. Because that's a, I think winging it is a great way to burn a relationship with your audience. The thing I loved when I've seen you speak and you talk about, <laughs> and, and you're not kind of, the way you put it out there is like, I just do the work. Like people go, how are you growing your audience? Like, well, I do the, like you read the book before you interview somebody. And can you think of a time? Cause there are going to be those people like, oh man, I just, I just wing it. I keep it real, yo. And Mm -hmm. can you think of an example of when you did the work and when the interview was over, you're like, oh, I'm so glad I did the work. Oh yeah. I mean, the first time I got the whole G doing the work is a good thing was this, this, I'm a slow learner. It was the seventh anniversary of my old show. So seven years in, I'm interviewing Robert Greene, the author of 48 Laws of Power. I don't know, he's, he's a pretty well-known author, if people have ever checked out his stuff, 50th Law. Really well-known author. Art of Seduction was another book that he wrote is about like power and war and things like that. And after the interview, I well, I'd read the book. I didn't want to disappoint him. I'd been going back and forth with him for like two years and kind of was too chicken to pull the trigger and book the interview. And I finally did it. And he, at the end, goes, why did this take so long? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, we've been going back and forth for two or three years. How come you didn't just do this interview earlier? And I said, well, frankly, I didn't want to waste your time. You know, you're an important guy. You're a really influential author. I wanted to do a good job. And he goes, this is one of the better interviews that I've ever done. You clearly read the book. You clearly prepared. You know, you should have pulled the trigger earlier. And I, I really thought, well, you know, earlier I was winging it. And so after that, I called Ryan Holiday, who is a friend of mine who worked with Robert Greene. And I said, man, Robert's so nice. He told me as a good interviewer, I'm really, you know, on top of the world. I'm on cloud nine. And he goes, hey, you know, he doesn't really throw that stuff out there. He's not really a let's make someone feel good for the sake of making them feel good kind of guy. So he means that, you know, he meant that. And I went, oh, well, then I should probably take this more seriously. So that's when I started to read the entire book, take notes, treat this like a research project, each guest like a research project, instead of just winging it and thinking, I'm getting away with this. Because I remember thinking, if I just ask leading questions, people will present and it'll be fine. And I really thought, I'm getting away with this. It doesn't really matter if you think you're getting away with it. I promise you, you're not doing your best work. I promise you you're not. And there are people, yeah, like you said, yeah, yeah, I keep it real, yo. I just want to take the conversation where it's going to go. I still do that. I'm not locked into the notes. I don't have a show flow that's do or die. You, The better prepared you are, as long as you're not attached to a show flow and a process and you can, you can free think outside your questions, you will always do a better interview than somebody who's just going, Oh, I have my, I usually use my natural curiosity to guide me. You should use that, but you should also know exactly what this person's done for the last two decades so that if they forget to tell something, you can give context. If they skip over something, you can fill it in. You have to be able to do that as a host. And if you're not, you're just being lazy, whatever you want to call it, keeping it real, being naturally curious, whatever you want to, whatever euphemism you want to paint over it with you're really just leaning into your laziness. And I get that temptation. I totally do. But you're not fooling anyone, especially your listeners. 
Well, where do you find for somebody that says, oh, I just don't have the time to do that. How do you find the time to, to make all that happen? I'm kind of one of those guys that says, if you don't have the time to do something right, then you don't have the time to do it at all. And I get that. And I also understand that sometimes people don't have the time to do it. And that means that they frankly just need to, well, let me be fair. If you're a parent and you've got a day job and this is your side hustle, I get not having time to do all the prep that you want. But I also know a lot of people waste a ton of time. You know, they don't necessarily listen to the audiobook. You can, first of all, audiobooks are great. You can listen to them on the commute. You can play them at 2X. You can play them when you're walking around. Oh, you're watching your kids play at the park? Pop in a, uh, the audiobook at 2X. You're not going to have to keep your eyes off your kid and then, you know, have your wife yell at you because you lost them. You know, you can prep. You can do the work. You can listen to other people, interview them to get an idea of what it is. You can create those notes on the fly. If you don't have a few hours to prep for each guest, Maybe you're doing too many shows. You know, maybe you should do one show a week instead of two or three if you don't have time to do the prep. And I get it. People are busy. I thought I was busy too, but I started to reprioritize and I realized, well, if I want to be one of the best interviewers in the world, which is a long shot, but I'm trying for it, then I have to dedicate the time. It's just like somebody who wants to be really good at a sport, but then they're sitting around playing video games. Does that person really want to be good at that sport? <laughs> you know, you see Olympic I watched this documentary called uh, Top Spin. It's about ping pong table tennis players trying out for the Olympics. And these are 16-year-old girls and guys. And they they leave school at noon and then they train for eight hours a day every single day because they want to be the best in the world. If you want to really do something good, you don't have to be the best in the world. But if you want to do a great show, you have to figure out when you're going to do the prep. And maybe you shouldn't be interviewing authors if you don't have time to read the book. Maybe you should be interviewing people who do talks and then you can watch their talk on 2X and it's 20 minutes of your time instead of four hours. The proof is in the pudding. Like I said, I love shows that make me think. And I didn't, I'll be honest, I did not listen to your old show because much like everybody else, I thought it was a dating show. And I'm like, well, I'm married, so I don't need to listen to that. And I probably missed out a bunch of good stuff, but I'm, I've definitely been uh, absorbing your show and uh, speaking of the old show, let's let's go back to that dark place. Uh, yes. How did you how did you find out that you were no longer with the company? Oh, I mean, it was pretty abrupt. It was like Saturday night. You know, I was. You know what? Actually, I'm not sure that this is something that I should be broadcasting. So I'm going to leave it at this. It was pretty abrupt. It was unexpected because we were already negotiating a way to not do it that way, uh. and that was. It was disappointing. And I went through like the stages of grief. I went through them really fast. You know, it was like one day, I can't believe it. The second day, wah, the third day, okay, what am I going to do to rebuild this? Calling in all the support and favors that I can from friends and just, you know, thank my lucky stars that I was practicing what I preached for the last 11 years with building a network, building and maintaining relationships, digging the well before you're thirsty because I ended up thirsty, man. And if I hadn't done that, I would be in a world of hurt because you know, you build skills over 11 years of broadcasting. You, you, maybe some of us are born with talent. I don't think I was, but some people were. If you don't have a net, if you have that and you rely on that, that's great. But that means you're doing it all yourself. So you better have a network of people around you. And I don't know what I would have done without the network of people around me, because those were the people that said, don't skip a beat, start the Jordan Harbinger show, start off with a bang and get going. And those are people like Norm Pattis, who owns podcast one, you know, 30, 40, 50, probably 40, probably 50 plus years in the radio business. A lot of people that were COOs and CEOs of companies like 1-800-GOT-JUNK, my friend Cam Harold, 
who was there and helped build it up to $180 million. And he told me stories of him getting fired by his best friend after 11 years with no warning and said, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me and it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. And I know it sucks right now, but in a year or two, you're going to look back and go, why the hell didn't I do this myself earlier? And the answer is because it's hard. (laughs) Well, I mean, in the past, you've kind of coached people on kind of controlling I don't know, it's not thought control, but mind control, kind of how to dig yourself out of a, a funk in some ways. Were you able to kind of coach yourself? Did that come into play or was it just like, oh, this is so much harder than I thought it was? What was going through your mind? Actually, it was my wife and a lot of friends who were like, well, you know what Jordan would say in a time like this. And a lot of my team, you know, I ended up leaving and a lot of my team came with me from the old company and they were saying things like, hey, don't you tell people, you know, regroup, make a plan. Don't you tell people get mindful and da da da. Don't you tell people you've been digging the well before you're thirsty. Don't be afraid to ask other people for help. Don't you tell, you know, and I finally was like, yeah, maybe I should take some of my own advice. And even my listeners were writing in and saying, Hey, you've been giving me good advice for 11 years. Now it's time for me to give you some advice. Listen to episode, you know, 465 (laughs) and re-listen to episode such and such and such and such. And those people that you interviewed, you were coaching them and they were coaching you and you just need a refresher. And I thought that's a pretty good bit of advice. And it was kind of funny to have my own Jordan Harbinger show fans say, I've been listening to you for 11 years. You can do this, you know, pull your pants up and get to get to work. I thought that was kind of funny. What do you think the biggest difference between, I, I, this sounds so weird, the old Jordan Harbinger versus the new, you know, Jordan Harbinger 2.0. You know, what's different was pointed out to me by other people. And I thought this was interesting. A lot of people said, wow, it seems like you have a renewed energy with the new show. Wow, the topics seem really fresh. Wow, you're clearly even more prepared. You're more on your feet. You're more on it than you ever were. And I didn't really notice this because, you know, it's kind of like losing weight or gaining it. You kind of don't really notice until someone says, hey, man, looking a little rough around the edges, (laughs) you know, or a little bit chubs. You know, you go, really? And then your pants don't fit and you go, oh, yeah. So for me, this was a really good surprise because I really was the last person to notice that, hey, I sound a lot better than I did before. And that's because I'm in it. You can't read the label from inside the jar. And a lot of my show's fans were like, this is even, this is better than any of your other work. And at first I thought they were just being supportive, but now I've got people that say that that I've just gotten dozens and dozens of people saying the same thing. And it's too many to be a coincidence. Well, it it probably because you're now able to do the interviews that you want to do, you're more excited than, and you're not having to worry about, wait a minute, how do I tie this back into this product that doesn't fit anymore? It just, everything flows nicer. That's very cool. How do you balance? You mentioned you've been married now for, you said five years? No, I've I've been married for one year, but I've been with the same woman for five years, my my wife. Because I thought it was fairly new. How are you balancing the whole work life. Cause I know she works with you, right? She does. And I'll tell you, we don't really balance it because <laughs> we don't have kids. Ah. So she flies with me everywhere. We work together all day. We work together on the weekends. You know, we don't really have that balance. I don't necessarily believe that we need it right now. Now, once we have kids, then it's going to be different because we're going to be busy with the family and we're not going to want to be like, yeah, call me when they're old enough to drive. You know, that's not going to work. So we'll have to figure things out then and reprioritize. But for me, it's not about balance. It's about priorities. Right now, since I don't have kids, I don't have kids as a priority and family is less of a priority. 
um, you know, I go see my parents and I make time for them and I make time for the in-laws and things like that. But, and I have friends that I hang out with regularly, of course, with Jen, but we don't really worry about that because the priority is the rebuild of the Jordan Harbinger show and the build of advanced human dynamics as a company. And so we don't worry as much about that stuff. But like I said, when we have kids, it's going to be a reprioritization and how that works out logistically is anybody's guess. Yeah, but that's huge. When you have the support of your family, and in this case, it's Jen, that, that makes a huge, huge difference. So that's, I'm glad to hear that because I, I, without it, you're, you're sunk. I've, I've seen, oh, yeah. yeah. One of the things I like about your show is you do, it is educational. You, you kind of teach people and you give advice and things like that. So after going through this nasty little scenario in your life, how does somebody that is starting a podcast now, like what would your advice, like here's some things you can do to avoid the scenario I was in? You know, I thought about this a lot and it sucks to say this, but there's really not that much that I would have done differently reasonably. I really would not have, because people go, no, now, you know, never have partners. And I'm like, well, no, not really. You know, you have to work with other capable people and you can hire a team. But really, if you really just want the best out of people, you have to incentivize them. So if you're going to work with somebody and you need marketing and you need events and you need products and you've got somebody whose life has been that for two decades, it doesn't make any sense to go, nah, I'm just going to figure it all out myself. That just does not make sense. So it's not don't have partners. But I would say rather than having one big entity where everybody owns a piece of it, you want to have different discrete projects where people own different shares. So for example, uh, Advanced Human Dynamics has an app that's coming out. The app's been in development for three years by some of the contractors. They've given me equity in the app because I'm going to promote it and I'm adding a bunch of content and I'm putting my name and face in there. So I have a share of it, but I don't have a controlling share of it. And then the live events, the products that we're developing, everyone owns those equally. And the rule is if someone decides they don't wanna do it anymore, they get bought out by the other side at their option, or they continue to get paid in perpetuity. So it gives that side an option to buy it outright or to say, you know, we're not going to give you a lump sum because we can't, but I'm still going to cut you a check. Right. And, but at the end of the day, I'm a former attorney. If someone says, oh, I'm not going to exercise my buyout, right. But they decide they're not going to pay you. Now you've got a choice to make and litigation is expensive. And what you usually have to do is just walk away and chalk it up to a lesson. So what I would say is it's always something where you've got to have the keys and you've got to have ownership and you got to keep your side of the street clean. But what the real problem is, is that people are invested in relationships for way too darn long and they don't sit down and go, am I still happy with this? Is this still the business I want to run? Are these still the people I want to work with? And had I actually done that back in the day when working with my old company, I would have had to face some hard truths, which are, no, I don't want to be here anymore. But I didn't have the guts to leave because the getting was too good. And so you have, but that, that's a lesson that I learned is you have to go, is what I'm doing right now worth the money? And is there a better way out? And, and you know what? The other, the other lesson that I learned, uh, and I'll, I don't want to phrase this crudely, but you have to just be very discerning with who you work with just because you make rational decisions based on what's best for a business and best for the people in it doesn't mean that someone's not going to be driven by ego, narcissism, outright crazy ass ish, you know, that they're dealing with on their end. 
you just don't know. You know, you might think, well, I work hard and they work hard, so we're going to figure this out. No, maybe they don't want you to succeed because in their mind, that means something about them. You just don't know. And I've seen that happen with businesses a lot where people will split and try to do their own thing. And the other person goes, wait a minute, if she succeeds without me, that means they didn't need me. I can't have that. So then they go to war over this dumb ego stuff. And you have to realize who you're doing business with. And sometimes it takes a while for people's true colors to show. But once they do, believe them. That goes for who you're dating. It goes for who you're married to, as well as for any business partner. Because I think what a lot of people don't realize is if you've got a business partner, you are married to them. <laughs> you don't have to sleep with them but you are married to them. Legally, you are married to them. They don't call it marriage, but you have a union. And when you want a divorce, the courts kind of go, <laughs> you guys should just figure this out because it's a big mess. And then they wash their hands of the whole thing. And you know what? They'll help you figure it out for a paltry six-figure sum. <laughs> That's all. Well, so does this mean in the future, let's just take the example of your app, that maybe once a year, you're going to go with that team and go, hey, are we still happy with this arrangement? Yeah, it really is something where on the regular, we communicate. My business partners and I, we communicate very regularly on what we're doing. The, the division of labor is really clear. We always bring up issues if we have them with one another. And yeah, every year it'll be like, hey, you know what? And it doesn't have to be like, this is our annual gripe sesh. It can kind of be like, hey, you gave me 5% of this, but I'm really sending in a lot of users. I really don't know if I'm being compensated adequately for that. And they might go, okay, well, I don't want to give you more equity, but what I can do is give you a cash bonus for every user that you generate. Or, well, we don't know if you're bringing in the users. It looks like you might be, but we're not tracking it. We got to figure this out. Or, look, you're bringing in users, but we're doing this other thing for you. Do you value that equally? And you have to go, well, yeah. You know, like with this app, I don't have a ton of equity, but what will happen is that my show, the Jordan Harbinger show, is inside the app. So if they're spending literally a million dollars on user acquisition, they're bringing me a lot of new listeners, which I can monetize with ads. So do I need more equity in the app or do I need to just enjoy the fact that they're promoting the crap out of the Jordan Harbinger show and not worry about the nickel and dime? And you have to create that on your own. You don't want to wake up one day and go, I hate this arrangement and you guys are unfair and da da da, because that's unfair to them. Right. And I've noticed a lot of business partners do this to each other. They, cr they cry about everything to anyone who will listen. And when it comes time to solve the problem, it's, oh, no, it's cool, bro. Let's go have a drink. But then they're just plotting your demise. And I've seen this happen so many times. And I know it does because it happened to me too. It's all a matter of you have to be comfortable and each person has to be comfortable putting their, their, communicating their honest thoughts and not just trying to avoid conflict. Yeah. It's, it's worth the awkward conversation in the long run to sit down and actually have a, you know, a, a big pants, uh, grown up conversation and go, this isn't working anymore. It's, it's tough and it's hard, but eek, it, uh, it can save you a lot in the, in the long run. I have to ask this question or Monica will kill me. Okay. So this is for Monica. Uh, she loves your show because she says you're going broad. And I say, I think you're niche. So are you broad or are you niche? Oh, I don't know. Um, I want to say that it looks broad and I think I have a greater freedom of interview. You know, I'll have a neuroscientist, I'll have a money laundering expert and things like that on the show. So it seems broad in that respect. However, really though, 
when you look at it, everything is based in psychology. So it's all about thinking. It's all about practicals. And so it's not just, here's a variety show. You know, I'm not Terry Gross on Fresh Air where she's like, I'm interviewing this random musician now. I, I'm not quite that broad, but I might be broader than I was before. Where it niches down is, does this person teach me how to think better and can I apply what they're saying? So that in itself is niche enough because most shows don't do that. They just go, tell us about your new jazz album. And then the next one is, <laughs> oh, this person is a FBI agent. Let's talk about investigating a serial killer. That's really broad, you know, but there's not a whole lot that you can take and use in your life. So in a way, we're niche in that we're educating, but we're broad in that what we're educating people about can be different as long as it applies to them and makes them a better performer, whatever that might mean. One other thing I should ask you, you mentioned the, um, the event in Vegas. If somebody's interested in that, where do they go to find out about that? Sure. They can email, for now, they can email me, jordan at jordanharbinger.com. And they can really just shoot me a note because right now there's not even any live event stuff on the Advanced Human Dynamics website. But I would happily talk to them about whether or not it's going to be a fit and get that going. And I'm no, I have no problem fielding email. You know, that's, it's one thing everybody goes, I can't believe you have your email on every show and it's public. And it's like, look, you know, I'm not saying I'll get back to everybody who just says, Hey, I got a random question about this, you know, in a short period of time. But if somebody wants to come to the event, yeah, just shoot me a message. Jordan at jordanharbinger.com or Jordan at advancedhumandynamics.com. Both go to my inbox and I will happily help them out. And right now the people we have registered are, we have some uh, green berets. We got some bodyguards. We've got some uh, female entrepreneurs in different spaces. So it's, it's really going to be a great event. So I, I would love to hear from some listeners of people that are interested in possibly coming and joining us. Awesome. And you can find Jordan again at jordanharbinger.com or just look for the Jordan Harbinger show and wherever fine podcasts are distributed. That's right. Thank you, my friend. Thank and you. All right. If you are new to the show, my background is in education. I taught in the corporate world for over 20 years, help people understand technology. And so what we're going to do is we're going to grade, we're going to grade my paper that I just handed in. And this, if you do interviews, this is a really interesting kind of exercise that you can do. Think about this. I'm going to play one clip that Jordan just said. You have to be an advocate for the listener. Every minute of their attention has to be earned. And if you're advocating for the listener, it means you're asking the questions that the listener wants to ask of the guest. And so what you can do, and what I just did was I went, as I listened to that interview with you, I wrote down the questions that I asked. And some of them were good, some of them were meh, and some of them were a little out of place. So the first question I, I opened up with, what happened? And I asked for a deeper explanation. So I did some research. I, I tried to do a Jordan on Jordan. I listened to a lot of Jordan before I did this interview. And I asked, not like, hey, we had a difference of opinion. I'm like, no, 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 go a little deeper on that. And he did, which is really cool. My second question, do you have an example of how the brand was holding you back? Not was the brand holding you back? That's a yes or no question. Give me an example because I've heard him say that before. So I, I thought that was a decent question. How is your new event going to be different? Okay, because what's changed? Uh, who is your target audience for that event? Now, the other thing I want to point out here, that's my third and fourth question. These are up front, in my opinion, the beginning of the, the episode or the interview, because I want to give him a chance to pimp while people are still listening. 
The next one, how many months ago was the transition and are you sleeping better? Again, trying to get the backstory on this and to see how it's affecting him. How do you deal with the responsibility of answering a help my life is a mess question? This was not worded very well, but it was a question that I wanted to hear because when I listened to that show, I'm like, oh, holy cow, how do you do that? So again, it's I thought that was a decent question because it's it opens up to a story. It gives you insight into how he deals with things. How can you, uh, can you think of a time when you got done with an episode and thought, I'm so glad I did the work. I like this because my audience is kind of in his shoes. We're trying to do great interviews. We're trying to create great content, period. And then when he said, you know, I just, I do this. I'm like, okay, great. He reads the book. He does all this stuff. My audience is going to ask, how do you find time to make all that stuff happen? So I thought that was a good question. How do you find out, how did you find out you were no longer part of your old podcast? In other words, how did you find out you were fired? Not a bad question. It's weird that we're going back to that because we were talking about that. And I'll explain some things a little later about that. Uh, Were you able to coach yourself? Now, this is an interesting question, poorly worded, because that's a yes or no question. So I I think I actually said, what was going on in your head when I said that? that, That's where I rephrased it. But I started off with a yes, no question. And if you go back and listen, I said, what was going on in your head? That's a better question. What's the difference between the old and new Jordan Harbinger? This is simply saying, what did you learn? How do you balance work, life, and your wife? Now, actually, I pondered cutting this one out because the answer was, I don't. And usually if somebody goes, nope, I cut it out. But I thought this was a good answer because he's very honest about it. It's like, look, right now we're cool. We don't have kids. And in the future, we're going to have to renegotiate something here. Uh, how do you avoid the scenario in the future for new podcasters? Again, good question. I should have probably lumped that in with the other, like when we're talking about him losing his old show. And this, these are questions that are coming to me afterwards. And I'm going, uh, and it, uh, I'll talk about that in a second. So are you going to review your relationship with your app creators every year? Again, poorly worded question here because it's yes or no. I should have said, walk me through a real life example of how you're going to take what you just said in real life and then let him tell the story. Uh, Are you broader niche? Now, this is coming right from Monica from you want to do what.com. So if you wonder who was Monica, that's her. And I thought that was a good question. The only thing I did wrong there is I didn't say Monica from you want to do what.com. So Monica, I've now said you want to do what.com. I didn't forget you. And then how do I attend your event? Because again, Jordan is trying to rebuild his audience. I I stated his website again, jordanharbinger.com. And then I helped promote his product that he is now selling. Now, what was wrong with this interview is I was trying to do Jordan Harbinger to Jordan Harbinger. So I did a lot of research and things like that. And I usually have the questions in front of me on paper. And this time I did it in Evernote, which is a great idea. I should have just printed it out because I'm trying to read things on the computer screen through my computer and in the process got a little bit out of sequence, not a deal breaker, nothing like that. But one of the things you can do to kind of grade your interview is listen back to your interview after you've edited it and say, are those the questions my audience would have asked? And for me, I think I did an okay. I would give myself... Yeah, a C plus or a B, but I'm pretty hard on myself as you probably are with you. But for now, to help you grow, the more you know. I want to welcome the newest affiliate for the School of Podcasting, Sean Washburn of the Stories for Starters podcast. You can find him at washburnwriter.com. 
And if you didn't know that, you can actually refer people to the School of Podcasting. When they sign up, you earn a small commission. For more information about that, go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash affiliates. And want to also say welcome aboard to my buddy Wayne Henderson from mediavoiceovers.com. He also just joined the School of Podcasting Patreon account. So for more information about that, check it out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash work with me. If you're new to the show, I love to test different podcasting toys and tools. And to do that, I have to create a lot of podcasts. And I've got a new one, and I'm having a lot of fun with this. Here's the promo for Season 2. Coming up on Season 2 of the History of Six Shooter, the benefit that Dave and John were informed of turned out to be a biker rally. Their overweight bass player was wearing a tank top underneath a flannel shirt that had fallen off his shoulder to reveal bushels of armpit hair. He was very sexy. In Ohio, parts of the state received 14 inches of snow. It snows and rains ice all day. Also on the door, it's a sign that reads December 22nd, 8 to 12, six shooters with an S. Our first gig, and already... The band's name has been hacked. While the Christmas song idea sounded great, it took an immediate nosedive. (laughs) Okay. The band had their first guest appearance by Opal, the drunken wench. And Kevin passed her a lyric sheet. But apparently, Opal can't read. (laughs) Where am I going to live when I get home? Margaritaville. Ugh, just the word makes me want to vomit. During one of Mike the DJ's screw-ups, his microphone exploded. It was about this time a drunk shouted out, Quit stalling! For all the shenanigans of being in a country band in 1995, go over to historyofsixshooter.com, binge listen, then subscribe. That's historyofsixshooter.com. As we get ready to head out the door... First of all, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you found it educational, entertaining. We have every month, we try to do the last episode of the month is going to be based on a question that I ask you. And so I need your answer by 525-2018. And there are two questions. Pick one or answer them both. Are you planning on starting a new podcast? If so, what is it? And then the second one is if you had a sponsor on your show, How did you get it? Did they approach you? Did you approach them? Or did they come from your media host? How did you get your sponsor if you had one? Now, when you send them in, please put May 2018 question in the subject line so I don't lose it. You can find all the different ways to contact me by going to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. Again, I need these in by May 25th, 2018. Now, I know I mentioned I was going to talk about the whole Google thing, the, the, the quote, if you could air quotes up for me, the new, which is really old Google thing that's going on. If you go out to school of podcasting.com slash Google and the number one, I actually wrote a blog post about this to talk about this in audio is almost impossible because it's all very visual. And I actually put a blog post there about how you can make sure your podcast is ready. And I've got examples there if you're using things like Divi or studio press or things like that, different ways you can get your website set up. And what happens if you go into your WordPress theme and you don't have any way to put this new code into your header? Well, I've actually got a plug in there for you as well. It just does not work in an audio format. 
So that's why you should go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash newsletter because things like that get sent to you via the newsletter plus along with our show notes. Thanks so much for listening. I would love to help you plan, launch, grow your podcast, the website, schoolofpodcasting.com. And I've got multiple ways to work with me. To find out more about them, just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash work with me. And if you want to start your podcast, don't forget, use the coupon code LISTENER. And also another quick shout out to Andy over at podcastguest.com slash SOP for sponsoring the show. I know I've mentioned the Harry Duran interview that I did. You might be going, hey, where's that, Dave? That is also coming in the future. I found something in this interview and... Not that it's a bad interview. Actually, it's a really good interview, but I found a way to put a little more icing on that cake. And let's face it, it's all about the icing. So that is coming up in the future as well. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, class is dismissed.